we continue in our time this morning. Uh, we, we have two messages, including today, left in the book of Galatians. And if you need a reminder, or if you just haven't been able to stay on top of I encourage you to uh, go on our website. Uh, you can either go uh, to fbcstateparish.com slash live, uh, where many of you are watching us, or slash videos. And you can see at any point in time, you can be refreshed, you can be reminded. Um, and, and I would encourage you, um, if you want to get uh, in some in-depth Bible study on your own, there's many ways you can do that. But you can also pick up Ron's uh, Bible study that he leads on Wednesday mornings. Uh, you can go to fbcstateparish.com slash Wednesday. And if, you know, we have a prayer time about 20, 30 minutes. Uh, but then you can get in-depth uh, through the uh, book of 1 John, or now in the Gospel of John. I would encourage you uh, to do that, uh, to be challenged to learn uh, with that. So please use those tools as you can uh, each day, each week. And so as we get started this morning, I just want to ask us the question, could I be wrong? How many of you, uh, let me just say it this way. I think we ought to ask this question a little more. Could I be wrong? Some of us ask it probably too much, actually. Um, some of us uh, can be riddled with doubt, with fear of did I say something wrong? Could I be wrong? And it can lead to a wishy-washiness of life. Others of you don't ask it at all. And I would like to maybe suggest this is where we must start. I'm not asking, could I be wrong in any sense of trying to, uh, you know, uh, just second guess everything I've been told. There is truth, there is one way, there is an absolute truth. But if I'm asking this question, I'm starting to realize absolute truth does not reside in me. Good be wrong. I don't know about many of you, but most of us, and unfortunately in our culture, if there was ever a leader that got up and said, everything I said while trying to get elected, I have come to realize isn't right, and so I changed my mind based on you information and evidence, I have a feeling, whether that was locally, nationally, or internationally, they would be skewered by people. It's also true in the realm of theology. I have yet to hear any theologian get up and say, Everything I believed for many of years, I now realize based on greater insight and understanding of scripture that I am wrong. Uh, Ron, you've been in theological circles longer and more in depth than I have you ever heard someone say that. <laughs> Absolutely. The closest, and Ron has told this story, the closest some have gotten is don't. Don't make your opinion of scripture based on my viewpoint that I might change. What a wise thing to say. But most theologians won't say that. 
but maybe we ought. Not because we're uncertain of our beliefs. I have very firm beliefs on many aspects of theology. But there's not a week or a month that goes by that I don't ask myself, could I be wrong on that? Why? Because if I ask that question, it will lead me to having a different posture of being, a different way of being present. If I think I know the right way before you ever speak, I really don't care what you say. I will just tell you how you ought to be. Could I be what? It, it leads to a different way of being, a way that I think if we could actually figure this out as the church, we would show our world a different way of being in community. We would see the power of the gospel come alive again in real ways right in front of us. Some of you are probably sitting there going, uh-oh, I don't know. He, he's leading down a path that could lead to just a whole lot of this. Relativeness. Wokeness, as some may claim, which is not the case. Okay? But it does lead me to sit down and go, if I think I could be wrong, then we might be equals. And I am not over top of you. And you are not below me. I believe it is this posture that leads Paul to say what he has said in the book of Galatians. I believe Paul wrestled with this, could I be wrong, which led him to be a different person. And it isn't that the question we must start with if we will want to ever become known by Christ. Is could I be wrong about life? There's only one who is not ever wrong, and that is the Lord himself. He is always right, he is always true, and he is always knowledgeable. But as I look out, and I'm not really, I really can't see you all online, but I see you through the screen there. None of you are Jesus this morning. I hope that's not a big shock. Jeff was a little shocked. We won't go there this morning. Oh, Jordan. Jordan, you let me know he's not God the rest of the day, okay? Alright? Don't take too much short with that. Alright? But in order to be in Christ is to be this, we ought to be different. Which means we ought to have a different posture of interaction with others. You and I can't come to know Jesus and then live as if it didn't matter. Now, that's hard in our world. In Western American Christian energy, that can be hard. Because many of us are decent human beings. In fact, I'm looking out. I, I, I see a bunch of decent human beings here before me this morning. I hope you see a decent human being in front of you. No, that's okay. All right? We're all decent. We, most of us have lived pretty good and what we would say is moral lives. But I would submit, as Paul does here in Galatians 5, that if you're not different afterwards, then maybe we need to ask, what I be wrong? I think 
Valley, one of the greatest things that is happening, and it's exciting to me, is our world is less and less Christian. I mean, they've been claiming that for years. That's okay. I am not a prophet. And it's becoming less and less looking like Christ, right? Some of you are scared to death about that. I don't understand. I'm excited. I know, Barb. That's crazy, isn't it? I saw her eyebrows go up so big. I'm excited because now, when Jesus transformed a life, he will transform a life. Because people aren't, they don't know who Jesus is. We have these Holy Week services. The majority of our culture doesn't understand Easter. Amen. Because we can show them Easter. We get the chance. Do you know in our county, three out of four people don't go to church on Sunday morning. Did you hear that? Three out of four. So we have 64 that are here in person. We have another uh, seven or eight. So we have 70, what? Somebody do math. 74, 75, no, 72, 70, 71, 72. Okay? Hush. You're, all right, you're on math, you're math today. Got it? And then, and we are in math today, okay? No, so I'm on you. I'm on Mac duty. Those of you here, Daniel said he's on Mac duty because he's working with MacBook Pro. Uh, and, uh, I'll take care of you later, all right? I think that's just 15 extra minutes to go, okay? All right. <laughs> all right. Three out of four. That means there's a whole lot of people who aren't engaging in any church. Three out of four people you may come into contact won't go to church this week. And it's not about going to church, but they don't know Jesus probably. And some of them are great people. Some of them lead really good lives. But as we're going to come to find out, being saved is not just about you going and doing whatever you want. Being saved is being grafted into a community of people called the body of Christ, the people of God. And this is what Paul is saying as he starts out. He, he says this, for, you have, for freedom, you have been called, brothers and sisters. For freedom. Freedom. Christ gives us freedom for this. Only do not use this freedom as an opportunity to sin, or in the word is flesh and human nature, we can go to the big theological debate on the difference between flesh and Paul and others, and most of us, that's over our heads. It's a good discussion. You know, we have freedom in Christ. And part of what was going on, Paul always spoke this. And the Judaizers, part of what they're trying to say is, if you are truly free, then you may end up being immoral. Because you, if you don't have the law of Moses, you don't know how to live. Because if you're free, you can do whatever you want. And they're saying, that's an issue, is it not? I mean, come on. Uh, if, if Sue McCamey is free to do whatever she wants, she doesn't have to make breakfast, lunch, or dinner for anybody in her household ever again. You don't even have to go to school tomorrow or work. 
And you know what you do? Do what? Well, yeah. Don't we? You know, don't we all? Yeah. I mean, if 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 you have freedom in Christ, then Jonathan, you can have as many candy bars and jelly beans from your pocket as you want every day. Nothing be wrong. He does anyways. He does it in church. That's what he does too. All right. You know, we can see this, and we get this idea. This is the lesson I. Freedom to do whatever we want, but Paul doesn't ever say you get freedom to do whatever you want. In the book of Corinthians, he says over and over again, you have the right to do anything, you are free to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is allowed. He goes on to say here, in your freedom, be slaves in love. Okay, let's just be honest, be good. Uh, 
uh, he'd take care of me. You know, I'm not, but I'm not fighting Clay. Do I think Clay and I agree on everything? Probably not. All right? Uh, but, but my fight isn't against Clay. It is against the nature of life. It's against two different masters. The masters of the flesh, Paul would say, or the master of the spirit. And he's going to give us a list. We're going to look at it. And he's not talking about, did you mess up and do this once? Did, did you have a, a fifth of rage once? It's so how many else you're out. That's not what Paul is talking about. He's also not saying, did you at one time, once, commit to Jesus, commit to the Spirit? No. What he is saying is, what is the habit of your life? What is the habit? What is continually coming up? Jesus would say, by the fruit you will know the tree. And then he would say, will you remain and continue to remain in me the true vine? So we must keep up, keep on, and keep with the Spirit. Again and again and again and again. Verse 18 and 25, the way to read those uh, as I will translate it in verse 16. But Paul says, I say to you, be always walking with the spirits. It's continual. It's not just a one-time action. It's a one-time again and again and again and again. It's just like this. Most of us have been eating since we are babies. Right, Ella Rose? Okay? I counted them. 
Count them twice. All right, no, you got come on. You got the first number you need to remember is 15. You may want to write this down, show your work later, okay? All right. All right, 15th descriptive. Can we see this descriptive? Paul is not in an exhaustive list of acts of the flesh, desires of, of the normal human nature. It encompasses all of life. But he only gives us 15 here. If you read some of his others, there's similarities and differences. These sins, I think, are contextualized to Galatians as well as to us. <laughs> you know, those of you online, you're, you're not seeing the fact that one coming and going. I'm like, where's my mathematician going? We always need to check our word and recheck our word. We don't have to do anything alone. All right. Let me start with the first one, and I hope to make this the quickest one, and part because the kids in the room. He lists three sexual sins. In most translations, like in the you have a semicolon which labels these off. Okay? For the believer, for those who are in Christ, there are bounds to who we are sexually and we're off limits because of the Spirit of God. I do not expect non-believers not to be this way. This is what I would expect. Okay? Point there. But for people of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not going to say, this is okay. That said, does that mean if you engage in one of these one time or another time, or you struggle with the temptation of this, that you are not a believer? I believe Paul would say absolutely not. He's talking about a habitual way of life. I believe, sexually speaking, that is to be there is great freedom found within the bounds of marriage, which is a man and a woman. There, there is great freedom. Our world will tell us differently. But there is no freedom there. There's three that deal with those. The next one. Got it? No, two. Okay. Got it? All right. Two sins of kind of religion and faith. Calls it idols. Okay? Uh, the other word he uses here, uh, we kind of get the idea of drug use, but what they're trying to do is enhance their spirituality through other means beyond the Spirit of God. It very well could have been, as was the case in that culture, uh, burning of and taking of drugs in order to kind of heighten our mood. Okay? I would say the religious sins, to put it, is you have this idea of a belief that, is, that does not claim Jesus is God, and those things that are kind of we would call new age or the occult, which don't necessarily claim to be a faith system, but try to enhance your faith system. There's something in my faith. There is something in my faith. I got Somebody has to look out for me. All right? Uh, those of you online, it was Lent. The rest of you who couldn't see very well, it was Lent from my pockets, and I had a little bit of a hangnail, apparently, on that one finger. All right? So we have two religious sins, idolatry. I will submit to you, we have a whole lot of idols in our world. Okay? We just don't normally call them that. All right? Anything that takes the place of God, as first and foremost, is an idol, whether it is good or not. So not. Three plus two is? Five. Three plus two is what? Five. 
Alright, throw it at 3 plus 2 as well. Alright, 2 plus 3 is? Okay, just checking. Is that correct? Alright, good. Alright, everybody got that. We got 5. How many did we start with? 15. How many is left? 10. Ooh, how many is left? Got it. She even got it. Go for it. He. He even has it, alright? Alright, we got this. Of all ages. So we have 10 left. There's two others that have community affected since. Two. Alright? And these would be the ones at the end of the list here. Alright? These are what we call drunkenness. I don't like the other word because I think that makes us think too much of the first three. What he's talking about here is gluttony, excessive feasting, or what I would say another day is party animal. When you are in excess of anything else, that's what Paul is saying here. He's not just using uh, the word that we find in our English language and the idea that they miss it. I know that's hard for me to say because of the respect that they've done, but there's a whole lot more here than the connotation that word is going to be. Gluttony, of any kind, affects the community around. Drunkenness of any kind affects the community around. Addiction of any kind affects the community as a whole. We have an addiction problem. In our community, in our churches, and in our world. We may not like it, but we have uh, problems with drugs, legal and illegal drugs in our community. I know we're just little saint kids. Okay, we have we have issues in our community with those who are addicted to excess with food, with relationships, with video games, with the internet, with pornography, some with work, others believe it or not, Noah, even with school, they're addicted to studying. Are you okay, Daniel? You had a little twitch thing. Like, huh? How is that possible? <laughs> I don't ever study. <laughs> the Lord, by the grace of God, you've got a good brain on the whole. Okay? Not everyone has that ease of access. Alright? But we have those. An addiction is anything that takes over life in part so that you can disengage from life. My, one of my jobs clinically as a counselor is I work with people to help them find freedom from addictions. In particular, internet and pornography. That sounds loud. Please don't hate me. Okay? Think less of me. But it's true. It's there. And it's not just an issue for those outside the church. Many of my individuals that I work with would be good Christian individuals. And it's not just a man problem. Actually, by the foremost, foremost uh, researcher in this, it's almost an even split. Alright? I know that doesn't sound possible. It may be about 64. That's so close. Male female. Male being 60%. Okay, we have an issue. But there is hope. And if you are a believer, you become you come to know Jesus. There is hope. Your addiction doesn't have the last word. And that's what I find freedom. Freedom is you get to tell the addiction when it shows up in your story, not the addiction telling you when it shows up. 
will always produce holiness, unity, and true community. And, and, and I know it's a pet peeve of mine, and I think there's good reasons, but I must admit, maybe I'm wrong on it. The more I study me, you know, I, I don't like the fact that we call it the fruits of the Spirit, because that to me sounds like it's a, um, you know, I'm in the grocery aisle, the produce aisle, and, and you know, I've been hearing those with, do you know, how do you know you don't like this? Have you tried it? And the next time you bring it up, they're like, no, 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 I've tried it, I don't like it. Okay? That's not what Paul is saying. He doesn't say we can try this and go, I don't like it. Because if that's the case, I've tried patience and I don't like it. That's one of the things, actually, the, the wording is long suffering. I've suffered long with some of you all. You know, 10, 8, 13, 14 this year. Yeah, she had to think. You know, 14, yeah. Same age as the dog. That's how I know. You know what I mean? Yeah, when the dog dies, I'm in trouble. You know, um, it's been 14. You know, Labor Day. You know, when we did 15. You know, right, Alicia? Yes. No, you said. Yeah, I put up with it that long. Vice versa. Okay. Vice versa. Okay, but we don't get to sit here and go. I tried love and I just don't like it. I tried joy. I just didn't like it. I just didn't have good peace to me. I tried long suffering and it was too long for me. I tried to be kind to Pastor Paul and I just didn't like it. Gosh. Do you see what I mean? And when we talk about it being the fruits of the Spirit, sometimes it's like, I don't like Jews. I tried it. I don't need that back. Paul isn't giving the option because if you are in the way of the Spirit, if you are controlled, if you are a slave to the Spirit, these things will be present as different segments of an orange. You will have love. You will have peace. You will have long-suffering. You will have joy. You will have kindness. You will have goodness. You will have faithfulness. You will have gentleness. You will have self-control. Because those are the byproducts of being controlled by the Spirit. It can't not happen. That's what Paul is saying. And then he goes on to say, against such things there is no law. I know, and many a times when, when we talk with our kids, we'll, we'll tell them that, you know, uh, Josiah, if you love everyone, you don't, you know, the police will not pull you over because you loved someone today. Okay? And that sounds great. I think there's truth. But in the book of Galatians, when Paul says there is no law, what is he talking about? The law of Moses. Because there's a fight brewing about the law of Moses. And some are using the law for dissension, for disunity, to say you have to be holy uh, in this way. And Paul is saying that's not the case. Be controlled by the Spirit, and you don't have to worry about the law. Because the Spirit fulfilled the law. The law does not produce the Spirit. I'm going to try to wrap up. I realize I'm going wrong this morning. The law cannot produce the Spirit. But the Spirit will help you fulfill the law every single time. So, let me ask another two questions. Is Christ sufficient alone for salvation? Is Christ sufficient alone? Meaning, is he the only way and does he completely save? In Christ alone. 
Is the Holy Spirit sufficient to produce holiness, unity, and community? And if we really believe that, then we will understand what Paul says is for freedom we've been set free. One of the greatest theologians and scholars of our time is a guy by the name of Pepec Bruce. Ron, have you ever meet him in person? No, but you know who I'm talking about. A tremendous, uh, I'm going to look around for a tremendous scholar and theologian in many ways. Okay? Any pastor has read his stuff without knowing even if they don't know it. If you can pick up a book of Pepec Bruce, I encourage you to pick up. Not that I need to agree 100% with him on everything, but a man who goes committed. As I was reading Scott McKnight's work on Galatians, he tells the story about this uh, just giant of the theological circle at that course. Who knows more than many of us will ever matter. He goes to him and he asks him about just things of theology. And the hot button issue of the day was a hot button issue about 20 years ago in most of our churches is can women be ordained? What about ordination of women? And it's still a hot button issue, I know. And he just wanted to ask this, this guy who knows so much about scripture, what is, what, what is your opinion? The response of that, that Bruce, according to Scott McKnight, who was the person who asked, I paraphrase his word a little bit. He says, at that first remarked, I'm not a big fan of ordination, but I'm a fan of whatever brings freedom in the spiritual church. For if it produces the spirit's freedom, I'm okay. That sounds nice. And as Scott McKnight would say, as that first maybe the only one who really stood by that statement in many ways. Because for him, as I read it, it wasn't going to be that dividing line. I have preference on that, which are my preferences. I believe if God calls, that is good enough for me. Okay, I know not all, probably in this place of you. I have been pastored by many godly women in the faith, both in official roles and unofficial roles. I believe God has a way of ordering things, but God has never put in the box that I can use for it. He can't. But if I can trust that the Holy Spirit is sufficient, I can trust the Holy Spirit. And I wonder sometimes if we start having to check boxes of what is sufficient to be a Christian, we are actually saying we don't trust the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be the one that says the Holy Spirit doesn't know what it's doing. And that's what brings us to this table. As we come